Welcome to the Daily Canon Podcast. Hello again, listeners. Welcome to episode 201 of the Daily Canon Weekly Podcast. Stephen Bradley here sitting in for Matthew Wade as... Well, as you've probably seen news this week of AC Milan's interest in Lucas Torreira, he made it his own personal business to go to Milan and vent his frustration outside the San Siro and... I'm not saying he did a lot of damage, but this week, both AC Milan and Inter Milan have both decided that they need to knock it down and build a new stadium. So, like, you know, he he might have thrown around a chair or six, unfortunately. But whilst everyone's on their summer holidays, I'm here for the next 20 minutes, half hour or so, just to bring you the latest news, gossip, reviews and swearing from, from the Arsenal world over the last week. And there has been actually a lot of news. For a change, you know, usually this is the dead period, you know, the week or two before the transfer window officially opening. We know that with the new Arsenal deal, the new kit deal with Adidas, that there was very little going to be done or at least announced before July the 1st because the point of, you know, bringing out whoever, insert dream signing here in a Puma shirt when they're going to be playing an Adidas shirt next season is asinine. So even if we did want them to buy Messi, Neymar, etc., they weren't going to do that before July the 1st. So we've had to be a little bit patient. Not that that's gone downward in the Twitter world especially, but we've had to be a bit patient. And now that we're six days away from July the 1st, trickles of news are starting to to come out of Colney. And it's promising, frankly. It's promising that work's being done, especially in positions of need. I think the... I suppose the big news is that we've heard over the week that we've had two bids turned down for Kieran Tierney, Celtic's version of Matthias Delict. That you know, that I know he plays left back, but Delict is Ajax's you know golden child. Loves him to death. You know he is you know in with the fans, and Tierney is the Celtic version of that. Go watch his clips. He's been their heartbeat for three years. He loves him to death. And he's not go he's never going to go and say, Get me out of this club. So any chance of him doing a, a Fabregas and, you know, going to a Grand Prix in the next couple of weeks are nil. You know, Arsenal are gonna have to do this the the old fashioned way by paying for him. And is he good enough for Arsenal? Short answer, yes. Actually short answer is very yes. He's an exceptional talent. Two years ago, we were unsure who was the better better left back prospect him or Andy Robertson and it's only been injury that has kept Tierney out of kicking on as much as Robertson did now Robertson has been unbelievable he is you know he's now one of if not the best left backs in Europe just because of his work rate but two years ago Tierney's work rate was better and it was a case of Scotland not knowing how to fit Robertson into the team because they couldn't drop Tierney that's how good Tierney is and can be. The problem is, he did his cruciate two years ago. Same injury that Bellerin is covering from right now, and the year after he did his injury, he came back, small bit of trouble with, with his other leg, nothing too bad, but this year he's been in and out of the side a lot, and he's played the last three months with a double hernia, which he got surgery for a couple of weeks ago and is now recovering. And he should make a full recovery, but it is the... I won't say alarm bells, but it's definitely a oh oh. It's definitely a. Uh, hopefully, we haven't bought someone who has done a Jack Wilshire. You know, played through an injury, 
try to cut through it because it's his boyhood club, try to, you know, maintain playing despite medical advice being being against him and he then goes to another club and then he can't play. But the fact that he's able to play it through a double hernia would suggest that he's in really good he's in really good health as a baseline. So I'm excited. I think he'd be perfect. I think he's a better version of Klasenac, basically. I, I've seen a lot of Celtic in the last couple of years. It's the you know, long-time listeners will know that there's an Irish accent in me. I live in a town with an IRA prison in it. And one of the records it's living in Paul Leash is you have to watch a lot of Celtic because everyone in this town is a Celtic fan. It's just mandatory. It's almost the law. You know, chucking our law, etc., etc. You know, you're a Republican, you follow Celtic. It's just the way it is. And as a result, you see a lot of Celtic because <laughs> you got to keep up with talking to people here. And he, again, when fit, he's Andy Robertson. I can't stress that enough. And if Arsenal do get him for 20, 25 million, the only reason that fee will be so low is because people are worried about his legs, about that injury, about that knee injury he suffered two years ago, about him being unable to sustain six to eight months injury-free and get back to where he was two years ago. That's that's the risk Arsenal are taking. It's, it's a risk that Arsenal have to take. Frankly, you know, we can't afford to be picky here. You know, we we know, you know, Arsenal's war chest, or at least the size of Arsenal's war chest, has been well documented. It's not as big as we hoped it was going to be, or as big as it was going to be meant out to be. You know, we have to take chances. You know, we are going to be not in the bargain bin because Tierney is not a bargain player. He is a proper prospect. But you know, we are spending twenty million on a left back. Meanwhile, it looks like Tottenham are going to be spending seventy million on Undebele, Tangai Undebele, the Leon box to box wonder kid. Who would be a fantastic signing for them? But that's where that's what Champions League money does. They can afford that now, you know. New stadium, more money. That's where they are. They you know didn't spend anything for a year and a half. Their war chest is full. Ours isn't. You know we after not getting a penny for Ramsey, after not getting a penny for Sanchez, and after giving Ozil the the bank and more, you know we've got forty million. And if twenty million of that goes on tyranny, then that, that doesn't leave a lot for anything else. When you look at Arsenal, you go, well, they probably need at least another centre defender and maybe another goalkeeper, at least. And maybe another right-back. Now that Jordi um, Osei Tutu is off to VFL Boxing for a season on loan. So, it's going to be interesting to see over the next few days if the Tierney deal goes through. I hope to God it does, because it would mean that, A, if we don't buy a centre-back, that at least Monreal will become centre-back cover and left-back cover and... Maybe someone comes in and, and you know offers us a few bob for Kalashnikov, you know, and and gets those wages off their books because as much as Ozil getting three hundred and fifty grand a week has sapped into our deals, the fact that Welbeck is off the the con off the contracts now for one hundred twenty grand a week, Czech's wages have gone, Ramsey's wages have gone. Much we'd like to be paying more, but they're gone. Like Arsenal have saved a good five hundred grand a week this summer so far. Like, yes, there's 40 million in cash to spend, but the wage bill is not as ominous as it was six weeks ago. There is now a small bit of room. It just depends on using that room to the best of its ability, to maximise it, to be efficient, you know, to be prudent. And in that light, that might be why AC Milan are sniffing around Lucas Torreira. You know, like, Milan have just hired... Sampdoria's old manager, who Torreira loves and adores, who brought him to Genoa and 
you know, played brilliantly and got him, you know, trained him up and got him a big move to England. And do I want to sell Torreira? No. God, no. Who do, who would? He's, you know, him and Guendouzi in the middle would be fantastic. If, you know, if unless Xhaka stays and you want to play Xhaka, fine. But selling Torreira after his very good debut season, and remember, he's 22. He's younger than Awobi. You know, like there's there's room there's room to grow. You know, he can definitely get better. But if you're Arsenal and you only have forty million to spend, and you want to raise funds, you can probably really only sell three people: Aubameyang, Lacazette, and Torreira. And of those three, which one would be the one you'd want to get rid of the most? I think that's the that's the question Arsenal have to really answer. That if they do want to, you know, generate some more funds to, you know, to boot to boost that war chest and bring in the players needed to get Arsenal back at least contending for the top four next season and another run at the Europa League, then one of those three would have to go. And I don't know if Arsenal can get back into the top four without both Aubameyang and Lacazette. I think they might be able to do it if they can bring in another midfielder with the money that they bring in from Torreira. Again, it's not it's not the greatest choice. You if if you have to sell one of them, you'd probably sell Torreira over the other two. Unless you got stupid money. Like unless you know, Manchester United in a bit of desperation because they can't gain anyone else offer you ninety million or a hundred million for a Bamiang. Then you have to take it. You know, if someone comes in with silly money, if someone does a if someone, you know, if Barcelona, if you know, if someone does a Barcelona with Coutinho and offers 140 million for Lacazette or Aubameyang, you have to take it. Like you'd be stupid not to. And that's probably why Milan are sniffing around Torreira because they probably think they can get him for less than they should be able to, just because Arsenal might be that desperate to raise money. Now their first bid, eight million a year for two years as a loan, and then 38 million on top of that in two years is derisory. It's well, it's Arsenal-esque. That's what it is. <laughs> it is. It is Ivan Gazidis reaching back into his Arsenal playbook and yeah, oh yeah, how did I? How did we bid for Suarez? Like, I wouldn't wouldn't surprise me if the next bid was thirty-eight million and one. <laughs> to be honest, but they, you know, they're chancing around. And would you sell Torreira for fifty million cash up front? I know Milan are not broken they probably try and get installments but if you could guarantee 50 maybe 55 million for a player that you spent 27 million on the year before would you take it or i suppose the better question is are arsenal in a position to turn it down that's that's where we are at the moment you know like if if we are looking at Unai Emery looking at the team and going, right, I tried my best with what was left with me in year one. I couldn't do it. Either back me or sack me. Give me, you know, let me reshape this, the squad I, the way I want it. I didn't want him. I didn't want him. I didn't want him. Get rid of them and give me such and such. Then, you're gonna have, like I said, you're going to have to sell one of those three. You know, the, the fourth person would be Bellerin, but no one's going to buy him after, you know, injuring his knee. Not at least until next season. So, you know, any any deal for Ozil or Mkhitaryan will involve a 
minimal transfer fee at best, just because of their wages. You know, you're not going to get so you're not going to commit get someone to commit 40, 50 million for Ozil and pay him. Same with Mkhitaryan. No one's going to pay him two hundred grand a week and give you forty million. And as much as you know, as much as we'd like to think that Dortmund are 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 trying to get the two thousand and twelve team back together, which it looks like because after buying Mats Hummels for thirty five million from Dortmund, like they're not flush with cash either. They'd have to sell again, even though they've sold Pulisic for sixty five. They'd have to sell Sancho or something, and they've no intention of doing that because they think they could beat Bayern Munich next year. And they might be right. So. Arsenal need to consider all options at the moment. I don't think it'd be right for them to completely shut the door and selling Torreira and going, no, he's not for sale, because I don't think they can afford to. I don't think they if if like I said, if Milan come in with 55 million and you can bring in someone of, if you can, you know, use that money to bring in two players who are almost as good as him, that might be better for the squad than to keep Torreira and sell Lacazette or sell Aubameyang. That's that's the position Arsenal are in right now. That's where Arsenal stand. It's it's going to be fascinating to see how Raúl Sanlehi deals with this because this is the job he wanted. You know, when he came into as the director of football in November last year, like this this was what he wanted to do. He wanted a wheel and deal. He wanted to be the man behind the scenes, the man getting the deals done, to be our you know, David Dean, David Dean 2.0. This is what he wants to do. This is his test now. You've got not enough money to do everything you want. How are you going to raise more funds? How are you going to balance the books? How are you going to make sure, you know, put your football manager hat on and sell X, Y, and Z for A, B, and C? This this is the test. And all we can do is wait and see. As much as we'd like to, you know, judge him immediately, we have to give him the summer. We have to see what happens with Reese Nelson. We have to see what happens with Emile Smith Rowe, with Eddie and Ketia. You know the players that Chelsea were making were making fortunes on five years ago to fund their lavish lavish expenses on on foreign players. To the extent that now that they're tra- now they're transfer banned, they're bringing in Frank Lampard to basically be almost a glorified youth coach, bring the youth youth players through for a year because we can't we're not allowed to buy anyone. Like. That's where Saletti's going to have to earn his corn. Can he do it? No idea. But it's the first time in a long time where Arsenal have had a summer where they're not shopping in the same shop as everyone else. Like like Arsenal are shopping in Lidl, and then you see Tottenham besides you shopping in Waitrose. Like, you know, seeing them buying in Dombele for 65 million is galling. Galling, because he's really bloody good. And he'd be perfect in our midfield. Like, if like if you were to say that Arsenal are selling Torreira for 55 million so that they only have to spend 10 million on Dombele, good, fantastic. I'd, t- I'd take it every day of the week. But, you know, you see Liverpool looking to spend, you know, big money on another forward. Even though two of the two of their three strikers both won the golden boot last year, you're looking at Manchester City looking to spend another 50, 60 million on another fullback because they've only spent two hundred million in the last four years on them alone. Like those, those are the 
the numbers and the figures that Arsenal have to fight against constantly. And here we are bidding, you know, 15 million for a left back. Like that's why I think the that's why I think the genesis of the Cronky Out hashtag germinated from. You know, that's you know, people are kind of reading the tea leaves here and thinking, hang on a minute. Not that we have an owner that doesn't put any of his money in because, you know, FFP precludes him from just going here, here's fifty million out of my back pocket, go and buy anyone. You know, he can't do that. There are rules in place to protect that. Now, if he were to say get his wife to sanction a bid sanction a sponsorship deal with Asda or Walmart for a hundred million a year, there's nothing against that. That's what Man City are doing with Qatar Airways. It's the case that there's no sense of speculating to accumulate in the way Liverpool did. In the way FSG did at Liverpool when they said, no, we're going to buy Salah, we're going to buy Mane. When, you know, when the initial bid for Torres came in of £50 million, it was immediately spent and more on Andy Carroll and Luis Suarez. One of them turned out to be one of the greatest ever strikers. The other one, eh, not so much. But there was never a case of we're going to settle or this will do. For them, it was always a case of where we need, we need to build, we need to win, we need to spend money to win. Same at City. And it now appears that Danny Levy has seen the light at Tottenham and said, oh yeah, I've got one of the best managers in the world of Mauricio Pochettino and he's threatening to sod off unless I put money in his back pocket. So here you go. Like, there doesn't seem that same urgency at Arsenal. There doesn't seem that same willingness to go the extra mile, to spend the extra buck, to sacrifice a year's profits in order to boost our chances of maybe winning. I mean, we're not saying Kroenke needs to spend 400 million on Neymar and Mbappe, but for Kroenke to go, right, okay, I don't mind us going 30, 40 million into the red this year because I'll cover it. Or let's see how we are in FFP in two years. If we have to sell everyone, then we'll sell everyone, but let's at least try now. Like, there's none of that. It's very, let's keep things in an even keel. Let's make sure not to rock the boat. Let's not make sure that, you know, we don't lose any value. Let's make sure that if there is a decline, that it's as slow as possible. That way, the value of the club will always be maintained high. You know, like the, it's the the medium to long term growth of his investment is being put ahead of the medium to long term growth of the football team, and it's clear as day. And it's that just slight easing back on the reins, that one hand. Slightly holding back and grabbing his back back of the collar, going, ah, yeah, we don't know about this. That's what's infuriating a lot of Arsenal fans right now because they don't see any of the other big clubs doing that. They see Liverpool, they say, winning a European Cup after losing one game in the league and still being linked with buying uh, Nathan Pepe from from Lille for eighty million. They still see Man City throwing money left, right, and centre. They still see Manchester United throwing money left, right, and centre. And they see Arsenal deliberately shying away from a policy of not excessive spending, but needed spending 
because he doesn't want to put the money back. And it's it's that constant give and take. It's that constant, well, we can't risk five or six years into the future because our owner won't let us. It's that, you know, as much as the owner is saying, yeah, you can spend whatever money you make, I don't mind. No one else is saying that. Barcelona aren't saying that. Real Madrid aren't saying that. Paris Saint-Germain aren't saying that. Even Tottenham now aren't saying that. After, you know, finishing their new stadium, they're like, grand. That's gross. That's great. Let's try and be better than Arsenal. And if that requires spending money, let's spend money. Like there's ambition, there's purpose. Yet with Arsenal, it's just eh, don't know, maybe. Hmm. Should we? Should we? I'm not sure. There doesn't seem to be any drive from the top that says go and fucking win. And as a result, we're just left, you know, running in mud, stuck in the mud, watching everyone else go by. Not quickly, but they're going by. And in order to catch up, you've got to put your foot in the accelerator. And all we're doing is putting on on cruise control. So, if Tierney comes in, great. But it needs to be the start. If one of our big three or four gets sold... It would stink, but if all of that money got reinvested, it wouldn't be so bad. But that's short term, and the clock is ticking because the longer Arsenal are out of the Champions League, the harder it will get for Arsenal to get back into the Champions League. And you only have to look at the clubs around Arsenal right now on how bad an owner can screw up a club. You know, with the Glazers constantly, you know, backing multiple coaches, multiple staff, not committing to a vision. You've got Everton throwing money on 420 creative creative midfielders. You've got Newcastle. <laughs> Where do you start at Newcastle? Newcastle was one of the best 15 managers in the world and going, nah. I... I'm not saying Cronky is Mike Ashley, because God no, but Arsenal just seemed to be at the moment ever so slightly sliding into a malaise. Sliding into a case of, look, fifth will do, sixth will do, it'll be fine, don't worry about it. It'll be grand. We might win in a few years, but as long as we don't spend any more than we have to, we'll be fine. And... That that won't change. That's that's not going to change until either Cronky himself has a change of heart and decides that Arsenal are performing and he throws money into the club or he sells up. And if he sells up, it'll be for £2 billion. He'll make triple his money and you'll either, your Arsenal will either be owned by a billionaire who wants to make Arsenal his plaything, unless he's an Arsenal fan, if we're lucky, even then, it'll still be his plaything, or you'll be bought by a hedge fund, and you'll be back in back where we are now. That's probably the most depressing thing about all of this. Is that as bad as it is now? It could it can only get better if we are, you know, at the grace of a benevolent billionaire. 
And right now we're all fed up because the billionaire who owns us isn't that benevolent. Don't you love these cheerful <laughs> these cheerful podcasts? But that's that's where Arsenal are at the moment. We will talk to you next week. Good luck.